0: You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Welcome. What is this place? Never, never happened. We're going to bring ghosts from all over the world. Join us. The children are screaming. And we guarantee them creaky doors and creaky floors. Be sure to bring your death certificate.
1: Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some pixie dust around and grab that happiest thought. And let's get ready to fly to Neverland with me, your head lost boy, Jeremy, also called the Spider Pan. And it is spooky time again. That's right, it is October and time for some Halloween fun right here in Neverland. Everything gets a little bit creepier around about this time. And usually we have a lot of fun with various events. Even when I am kidnapped and taken somewhere upside down, and replaced by a ghost host. Many of you happen to remember the Evil Land podcast, perhaps? But uh, we're not doing anything like that this year. This year, I am going to try to watch some classic black-and-white horror movies which, at today's standards, I bet you could sit and watch with your family now. <laughs> so I'm going to try to sit and watch these and talk a little bit about the movies. Some of this is based on the fact that Pixie Heather, my wife, bought me this set of like 50 of uh, kind of low-budget black-and-white horror movies, and I really haven't had a reason to watch them yet. And so I'm going to sit and try to watch some of those. However, this week, I jumped on my DVR for something I've had sitting on there uh, for my a second opportunity to really watch The original 1963 The Haunting Based on the original The Haunting of the Hill House And this is the movie that helped inspire Some of the elements you'll see In Disney's Haunted Mansion attraction At Disneyland and Walt Disney World And I'll get into that a little bit later I meant to be able to talk with Pixie Heather about this And she was going to be able to talk with me Because she watched it as well And that is my plan for these films going forward But she decided she wanted to go camping this weekend On her own Because that's what she does And I'm here on my own And Lost Boy Eric Um, I don't know how much it is for me to be able to say why he's not with us, but he's not with us, but be thinking of him and his family and praying for them if you're that type of person. And we'll just add it, and we'll just say it like that. If you happen to know him on Facebook or anything, uh, then I'm sure you'll know what's going on. But, yeah, he's, he needs your thoughts and prayers right now, uh, him and his family. We'll just, I'm going to leave it at that. But, uh, so we're going to move right along from that into just some fun and some news and just have a good time like we always do and get ready to celebrate October uh, in its fun harvest, fall fashion, <laughs> or whatever you want to call it. And uh, looking forward, of course, to Mickey's 90th birthday. And also, we just celebrated, heck, Walt Disney World had its opening October 1st, 1971. So And then Epcot, of course, followed a few years later. So there's a lot of interesting and fun things here in October. I would have probably started it last week because you've had a full week of October before coming to the show. But I had that really fun conversation to have with W.R. Miller. And I thought that would be fun, especially with Gary Kurtz having passed away. I wanted to talk about that. And I'm pretty excited to be able to get a chance to look at that book. Uh, he even uh, had a post that he shared from Katie Lee, voice actress, where she had a video where she went over to pick. ...pick up a copy of the book, because there's an entire chapter dedicated to her and her work, which I'm sure you could write several chapters. (laughs) So, really, really exciting stuff and everything, so lots of fun to be had. And instead of me blabbering on, I think I'm just going to get right into it with some Neverland news.
0: the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland.
1: Alright, first we have some fun and interesting news. The Disneyland Resort actually has named their 2019-2020 Ambassador Team. How cool is this? Now, you might not be familiar with the Ambassadors. I think I'm more familiar with Walt Disney World Ambassadors because I've met one, uh, Ken Facey, which I think his time is almost up, and I'm going to see if maybe he can talk about the experience after he has completed his Ambassador time, because uh, I think he's limited on what he's about. He's able to talk about while he's an Ambassador, and you cannot record his presentations when you see them, but I've seen a couple of his presentations, and He's a lot of fun. He's a delightful guy. You really have to be the cream of the crop to become an ambassador. But... President Josh Diarmo, he's Walt Disneyland Resort president. He announced the two ambassadors, Justin Rapp and Rafa Baron. And I hope I'm saying their names right. I apologize if I got that wrong. But they're going to represent the resort, all of its thirty thousand cast members, and a two-year term. And they're going to take you know the magic around in the community. And they're going to be like in a series of goodwill. Uh, and I got a quote here from Josh Diarmo when he's or Diarmo. Yeah, (laughs) D.M. Josh, president of Disneyland Resort. We'll go with that. I'm sorry I can't get your name right. Uh, Congratulations to Rafa and Justin, he says. An engaged, thriving cast makes the magic stronger at the Disneyland Resort, and I am proud to welcome such talented new Disney ambassadors to represent them. And they were selected from more than 100 applicants. And they're going to now go to a bunch of events. They're going to go to hospitals. They're going to visit places, of course, with Disney characters. They're going to do special promotions, cast recognition ceremonies. And, of course, they're going to be spokespeople for the uh, the resort and VIPs. And the biggest expansion in the park's history, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, is going to happen while they are in this position. So this is going to be really, really neat. And there are actually a little bit of talk with them that I did find. And I have a quote here from Justin. And he says, when I heard my name called as a Disney ambassador, I didn't believe it. (laughs) He actually started as a Jungle Cruise skipper back in 2012. And now he's in a, a different role here in entertainment. But he also says I get to represent 30,000 cast members and I'm really excited about making monthly visits to Children's Hospital of Orange County with our Disney characters. That will be really special. And Rafa says it's an honor to represent our cast members. The Disney Ambassador Program is a legacy we've been carrying on since Walt Disney started it in 1965. Well, if you happen to be looking forward to the upcoming Nutcracker film, The Nutcracker and the Four Realms, there's actually a preview happening at Disney Parks over at Disney's Hollywood Studios and Walt Disney Resort and at the Sunset Showcase Theater at Disney's California Adventure Park. And actress Mackenzie Foy, who's playing Clara in the film, was actually joined by Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse on, like, a red carpet over in Disney California Adventure to celebrate a sneak peek And this is going to be an advanced look at 12 minutes of the film. And they have a synopsis here on the Disney Parks blog of what the film's kind of about. It says, All Clara, Mackenzie Foy, once is a key, a -a one-of-a-kind key that will unlock a box that holds a priceless gift. A golden thread, presented to her at Godfather Drosselmeyer, Morgan Freeman, annual holiday party, leads her to the coveted key, which promptly disappears into a strange and mysterious parallel world. It's there that Clara encounters a soldier named Philip, played by Jaden Fowarren, night. I'm sorry, I'm getting his name. This is not a good day for names. Uh, also, a gang of mice and the regents who preside over three realms. The land of snowflakes, the land of flowers, the land of sweets. And then Clara and Philip must be brave in the ominous fourth realm, home to the tyrant mother, Ginger, played by Haral- Haralyn Mirren to retrieve Clarice Key and hopefully return harmony to the unstable world. This is starring Kieran Knightley as the Sugar Plum Fairy. Disney's new holiday feature film The Nutcracker in the Four Realms is directed by Alasse Halstrom and Joe Johnston and inspired by the E.T.A. Hoffman's classic tale. Now, that's interesting. Okay, so I want to do a little bit of quick research now, this is interesting, and this is something I had always wondered about, but I had not heard of. But the Nutcracker that we're familiar with by Tchaikovsky was based off a book called The Nutcracker and the Mouse King written by a German author named E.T.A. Hoffmann. And there's a little bit of a summary here that I found on Wikipedia, but I'm not going to go through and read all of it, but uh, let's take a look. It says, The story begins on Christmas Eve at the Stahlbaum House. Marie, seven, and her... uh, Marie, seven, and her brother Fritz, eight, sit outside the parlor speculating about what kind of present their godfather Drosselmeier, who was a clockmaker and inventor, has made for them. They are at last allowed in, where they receive many splendid gifts, including Drosselmeier's, which turns out to be a clockwork castle, which mechanical people moving around... inside it. However, as they can only do the same thing over and over without variation, the children quickly tire of it. At this point, Marie notices a nutcracker and asks to whom he belongs. Her father tells her that he belongs to all of them, but that since she is so fond of him, she will be his special caretaker. She, Fritz, and, and their sister Louise pass him among them, cracking nuts, until Fritz tries to crack one that is too big and hard, and the nutcracker's jaw breaks. Marie, upset, takes him away and bandages him with a ribbon from her dress. Uh, The story goes on. If you really want to read the whole thing, uh, search Wikipedia for the Nutcracker and the Mouse King. But yeah, there is an entire story Uh, It seems a lot of this because Clara, isn't that the name of the little girl in the ballet version? I've never actually seen The Nutcracker, but now that I know there is definitely a book, I am interested to check out the book, and I'm curious how much reference from the book they've pulled into the film. Uh, That would be some interesting information to learn about, I suppose, before this movie comes out, which it's coming very, very soon, in time for Christmas. So uh, I think I need to (laughs) jump in and start doing a little bit of research. But uh, quick changes coming here in Walt Disney World. They've actually had some uh, price increases going in some bottled and fountain sodas from WDW News Today. Somebody snapped a photo and shared it to Twitter. And the bottle sodas have gone up. About fifty cents from four from four dollars to four fifty. Uh, soda fountains have increased from three twenty nine for a regular and at three seventy nine for a large to three ninety nine for a regular and four forty nine for a large. Uh, it's also even increases on the water bottles. Prices have gone up fifty cents, and even the cart offerings are going up. A Mickey pretzel is actually now going to cost you seven dollars, which is an increase of a dollar. Ice cream novelties have risen up to five seventy five from five dollars, so a seventy five cent increase. Yeah, basically a lot of things are going up uh, from everywhere from 50 cents to a dollar on some of your small snacks. Not sure why they've increased these prices because, you know, we're not hearing this directly from Disney. We're just having it observed by people who are attending the parks. Another thing that they have observed is that there is a Jack Sparrow meet and greet that has replaced the Pirate Tutorial show going on at the Magic Kingdom. I have just a little bit of audio from when I was at Walt Disney World where I did see some of the Pirate Tutorial uh, which I thought was kind of fun but I suppose having a meet and greet makes things move through a little quicker and it doesn't maybe cause congestion uh, because, you know, they are trying to fix congestion in some of the parks. Of course, I don't know if it's that big of a problem in the Magic Kingdom, but you know this you know having them off to the side for a little meet and greet might be a little bit better than having a full show uh, i'm sure it's uh, sad to see that show go it was kind of fun also there is a photo i've gotten to see that there's going to be a special cupcake available november 16th through the 18th at disney's contemporary resort Dedicated to Mickey Mouse's 90th birthday, it uh, looks like it's got some little candy Mickey heads on there. Uh, so a nice little uh, uh, item that you might want to check out. Also, uh, I'm hearing that there is a two-month refurbishment of the Tom Sawyer Island going on in the Magic Kingdom that is set to actually begin at some point this month. Now I'm not sure what all this is going to entail, uh, but be prepared for it to be closed down. But this is going to happen in about for like two months. Uh, they're going from October 14th through December the 21st. And it, it, they don't know if this is related to there's some delays with the Liberty Square River Riverboat closure going on. Uh, so not exactly sure what's happening with that. All we know is that it is going to be closing very, very soon. Now, here is some, well, sad, but we're, we're kind of proud of him news, I guess. Chris Evans has finished his time as Captain America officially. I thought that he was already done because uh, I thought that they had already wrapped Avengers 4 because you know I, I, from what we were understanding, they were trying to film them back to back. but I guess there maybe there were some reshoots or something they've brought him back. Not exactly sure, but he is officially wrapped for a role he's been playing for eight years. He said he was honored to have been able to play the character, and he's thankful to everybody in front of the camera, behind the camera, and, of course, to the audience, because he's got a lot of great memories. Uh, He's currently 37 years old. Yes, he's younger than me, uh, but he started, of course, with Captain America, the first Avenger, which I really enjoy that film. It is a great one. And uh, we're looking forward to see what happens next with Captain America, uh, because this is supposed to be his final appearance in Avengers 4, so now I wonder, is Bucky going to step into the role? Is Falcon maybe going to step into the role? Will there even be a Captain America moving forward? Who knows? We do not know. Uh, I wonder if they're going to keep Steve Rogers alive or if they're going to um, maybe end him. You kind of have to wonder, you know, when he had his last thing, is it, oh, I have it a victory, but it's time to retire? Because the Marvel Cinematic Universe will continue, and that's one of those questions now. Is he still going to be around, or is this the end? One person, though, that is the end is, unfortunately, Mark Livolsi, or Lavolsi, uh who's a film editor. And I tell you what, you might not know how important a film editor is. After all that filming is done and you have all this footage, the film editor is the one who's basically getting that final touch to tell that story to you in a consistent way. It is very difficult. I have studied film editing, I have done some editing uh, in classes and things like that. It is very difficult because you're trying to choose just the right shot. Sometimes you use a shot where somebody has the right reaction. Uh, that was maybe not related to particularly the line of dialogue that's happening, but you love the look on their face, and you know you're trying to find a way to convey the story and present the emotion of the story all by the footage you're given, and it is a painstaking process and a lot of work and very creative and a, and a difficult, but you really have to love it. Uh, he has passed away. Now, this is the film editor who did things like Wedding Crashers, Marley and Me, The Jungle Book, and Saving Mr. Banks, including the reimagining of the Lion King. Uh, I hope that he managed to finish his work on the Lion King, because it, it can be difficult when you have a different person come in and step into a job on a film. Don't know. But, uh, you know, I guess he's worked pretty well with Jon Favreau when it came to the uh, the Jungle Book film, so I, you know, Jon Favreau appears to like working with him, but he's got a lot of credits and everything, and so uh, we appreciate the work that he did, and Really, uh, do some research on film editing if you happen to be interested in that because it is a really, it's a labor of love and it is really, really a difficult job. All right, maybe you got to see some of these images if you follow on Facebook with the Neverland podcast. You may have seen these. I have been learning that Facebook is not that great at being able to share everything that I share because they don't like it when we share third party content and they'll tend to bury it except for maybe a select few. So I'm trying to work on that. Maybe I'm going to have to have these articles posted to Twitter instead of on the Facebook page. So make sure you're following me on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. We are having a lot of fun over there with these photos of the Mickey Quest, which if you look at the hashtag MickeyQuest, you can come and find some of the stuff I've been doing. But let me read this directly from the Star Wars website. It says, Production of the first Star Wars live-action streaming series has begun. After the stories of Jango and Boba Fett, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian is set after the fall of the Empire and before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter and the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. The series will be written and executive produced by Emmy nominated producer and actor John Favreau, as previously announced, with Dave Filoni. You know, Star Wars, Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance. Uh, Ed Filoni is directing the first episode. Additional episodic directors include Deborah Chow from Jessica Jones, Rick Fumagia from Dope, Bryce Dallas Howard from Soulmates. I guess she's uh, following in her father's footsteps even further by doing some directing. That's interesting. Uh, and Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok. I'm looking forward to his episode. Uh, it will be executive produced by John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Kathleen Kennedy, and Colin Wilson. Karen Gilchrist will serve as co-executive producer. And, of course, if you keep an eye on StarWars.com, you can find more updates. But it's a very, very cool photo to see this Mandalorian character. Wearing kind of a traditional Mandalorian helmet, that's a little different, but it, it does—it's very shiny and kind of silvery. Uh, rest of the uniform looks like it's been through some stuff. Uh, don't know any more about this character—who they are, what their name is, or anything like that. All we know is I'm excited. It's going to be very cool. I'm—I'm I'm looking forward to exactly to see how this is going to turn out. Now, jumping out into a slightly different direction, uh, there has been talk that the Netflix Dark Crystal prequel, uh, Age of Resistance, was that what it was called? Uh, Yes, Age of Resistance. uh, There was some talk... Uh, at the New York Comic Con Netflix apparently gave the, the fans there a look at it or or at least you know, some sort of interest but you know, there's apparently some footage that's been screened and apparently there's, they're saying there's some inspiration from Avatar, The Last Airbender and Game of Thrones uh, so of course this is all events happening before the events of the original Dark Crystal and I mean this has taken seven years to develop And so this is... It's going to take like a year to film, but there's going to have, of course, no CGI, no human characters, all puppets. Uh, they're, of course, the only CGI is they're going to erase the rods and the puppeteers anytime that they've popped up because now they can do that. I mean, back with the original film, you really had to make sure all of your stuff was hidden on camera and there was techniques they would use in order to do that. But now, you know, we have all the technology. We can actually fix some of the problems, you know, and make it a little bit easier and remove some of this. But we don't have a whole lot about the plot. But I do have some quotes that were said at the panel. Uh, I believe Brian Henson was there. If I'm uh, nope, nope, Lisa Henson. Lisa Henson was there. This is uh, her, her quote. She says, "In the original movie, Jed and Kira stop at the Wall of Destiny and see the ruins of what was once a beautiful Gelfling culture. So we use that as a jumping-off point. What was that culture, and what was lost? What was that beautiful Gelfling civilization? And it's very developed. We have many different groups of Gelflings in different geography, different settings." It's extremely rich. We took his inspiration shows like The Last Airbender, Game of Thrones, shows that had a lot of depth and a lot of detail built in the world building, which, yeah, Jim Henson had a lot of details and a lot of stuff in creating the world. And even in some of the releases of the film, you could get copies of Jim Henson's notebook. And you could see, you know, some of the planning and the details and some of the things that actually did change as time progressed. Here's some other kind of interesting news going outside the world of Disney, DC Comics is going to produce a Young Justice comic book series that's going to tie into the Young Justice Outsiders Animated Series, which is unfortunately only on the DC Universe streaming service. I would be interested to watch this, and I'm hoping I can read the comic without being able to watch the series, because I'm not buying the DC Universe streaming service. You know, uh, I'm interested in the further adventures on Young Justice. Uh, I don't believe I have uh, remember much of the second season. I think, you know, if this is on Netflix, I would go and watch the first and second season. But I have a feeling they're not available for me to watch. They're probably all on this DC streaming service. So I might be able to read the comic. Uh, this is very cool. Uh, it's almost like an alternate Teen Titans it's like like all of the sidekicks of all these DC heroes have got together and have their team. And that's what Young Justice was. It was a great series by Greg Weisman. We did have him on the show. He was also one of the people behind the Disney Gargoyle series. Uh, so he's a great writer. I've got well, even a book that he had written. Uh, he's got a series of books. Uh, so I would be able to look forward to that if I had the DC streaming service. But something I can view is the 1978 Superman the movie. It's hitting a 40-year anniversary this year, and it's going to screen in 500 movie theaters across the U.S. Sunday, November 25th at 2 p.m. and 7 p.m., which will be your local time, and then again on that Tuesday, November the 27th. 40 years since the original Superman movie. But that's not all. Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, which of course is based off the animated series with Kevin Conroy as Batman, is also going to screen for one night only on Monday, November 12th at 2pm and 7pm, of course, local time, timed of course to the 25th anniversary of its original release in 1993. They're even going to show Max Fleischer's 10 minute long animated super short Mechanical Monsters before the Superman film. So this is really, really cool. I'm actually excited about this. Uh, you're also in front of the Mask of the Phantasm going to watch the 2010 Looney Tunes animated short Rabid Rider with Wally Coyote and the Roadrunner. Now, I don't know what theaters this is going to be in. You're going to have to check around with your local events or go to fathomevents.com and find out exactly who it is that is participating so you can go and check it out yourself. Now here's an interesting thing. Uh, we, I think we kind of suspected, and we've talked about the Toys R Us, the brand somehow or another was not gonna go away. But the bankruptcy auction has been canceled because the brand is set for revival, according to the Wall Street Journal. It says the controlling leaders intend to revive the business behind Toys R Us and Babies R Us brand names. The goal is to create new domestic retail operating businesses while maintaining its licensing of certain products worldwide, according to the court documents filed on Monday, as reported to the Washington by the Wall Street Journal. So this is interesting. The brand has basically been decided it's too valuable to give up. So, David Brandon, CEO and chairman of, uh, chairman of Toys R Us, has addressed the concerns of the, of the company's financial future at that time in a statement, and his statement was, Our objective is to work with our debt holders and other creditors to restructure the $5 billion of long-term debt on our balance sheet, which will provide us with greater financial flexibility to invest in our business, continue to improve the customer experience in all our physical stores and online, and strengthen our competitive position in an increasingly challenging and rapidly changing retail Marketplace worldwide. So, something is coming, and heck, the Wall Street Journal even says that the absence of toys arrests left an $11 billion hole in the toy industry. So, now there was a rumor, something talking about the KB toy was going to maybe dive in, perhaps buy it out or something like that but it sounds like Toys R Us is finding a way to restructure which a lot of times when you file bankruptcy that's what you do it gives you the opportunity to go and restructure and try to come back you know and uh, take care of your debts or it wipes out your debts for you but you know they've had to close down a lot of stores they sold a lot of locations but it's not the end there will be some form of Toys R Us in the future and what form that'll take Not entirely certain. It sounds like they're going to have some physical uh, stores still, and definitely an online presence. So, uh, all of you Toys R Us Jeffrey fans, take heart—it's coming back.
0: Mama, now the gator got you in the house. Now the gator, give me that shovel. Come here. Get him all. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park.
1: You think you can fix me,
0: Gene? You are not broken. This is the end beautiful friend. The mind is a fragile thing. It takes only the slightest tap to tip it in the wrong direction. This is the end. Charles. What did you do? I had to keep her stable. I protected her. From the truth? another word for that I came looking for answers you feel like you don't belong here you don't they can't begin to comprehend what you are she's changing and what you didn't come here looking for answers you came here looking for permission change She's all rage. Pain. And it's all coming out at once. Jean lost control. Is she still our friend? This is your fault, Charles. The world is on the brink. I'm sorry. I didn't stop it you. sooner. You're always sorry, Charles. And there's always a speech. And nobody cares. There's still hope. Don't do this. They're right to fear me. I've seen (laughs) evil, and I'm looking at it now.
1: All right, first up here in the trailer park. Dark Phoenix, the latest in the X-Men film franchise from Fox. Now, I had had high hopes because there was talk of traveling into space, and in this trailer, we did see the X-Men travel into space, it looked like, on a ship. So I thought we would be including the Shi'ar Empire and some of the actual comic book stories regarding the Phoenix Entity. From what we're getting from this trailer, it appears they've done this exact same way as, well, Ultimate X-Men tried to get in there a little quickly to get to this story. The Ultimate X-Men comic book line, even the Ultimate Universe, tried to rush their way into some of the classic stories and get through them pretty quickly, and they did the Phoenix story where it was actually just a manifestation of Gene's own powers, which is what we saw in the flop of X-Men 3, The Last Stand. So, they guess they figured they had a second shot at doing... Pretty much the same story, but doing it differently and not quite giving us the comic book adaption we might have hoped for. However, I will probably still see this. It comes out June 7th. I'm interested enough to see it because at least... This time, maybe we're going to treat Cyclops a little bit better and do more with that character than what they did originally because you don't have Wolverine in there to become the star of the film. Uh, so we're going to focus around Jean and uh, see where it goes from there. So uh, I'm going to check it out. Uh, it's It looks worth a look. I'm not terribly excited. I'm a little disappointed because I, I was expecting something different, but... That doesn't mean that this isn't going to be a pretty good film. So, I will certainly give this a try. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again,
0: and again, and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man. Swings in. Once a day, Zip Zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know that. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I I wanna hear it. it. Look at this place. Dad, I love love you. you. Dad, I love you. That's That's a copy. copy. Ladies and gentlemen. My name is Miles Morales. I'm the one and only Spider-Man. At least that's what I thought. You ever hear the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's it.
1: All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious, normal fry
0: is my universe.
1: So you want to learn to be Spider Man. Can you teach me? Yes, I can.
0: Time to swing. Ah, Good, doing you're doing it. it. Double tap to release yeah.
1: and whip <laughs> it out again. Okay. Whip and release. You're a natural.
0: Whip. whip. Ah. Hey, guys. Who are you? I'm Gwen Stacy. From another another dimension. How many more spider people are there? Hey fellas. Hello. This could literally not get any weirder. It can get weirder. Okay. We need to get back to our universes soon. Brooklyn is gonna collapse. My family lives in Brooklyn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Miles, what's wrong? This was never your city. It's mine. If I don't destroy the Collider, none of us will have a home to go home to. Remember, what makes you different, let's go, is what makes you Spider Man. Officer, I love you. <laughs> Wait, what? That way, that way. Other way, other way, other way, other way. Do animals talk in this dimension? Because I don't want to freak him out.
1: All right, now I've previously said that I wasn't really interested in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and I still have my problems with it the animation still looks very choppy to me, and I think they could have done a lot better, Uh, but maybe that's a style they were going for, but it just looks bad to me. However, the time that I've spent playing the Spider-Man PS4 game, which I still have not had as much time as I would like to play it, have not finished it, but it has introduced Miles Morales and his father in the game, and I have grown to like those characters. Uh, So... You know, I'd be interested maybe in a movie that has Miles in it. And now, personally, I still think Marvel should have made Miles into a different character instead of he's another Spider-Man. I would like to have seen him maybe even get different powers because you've got an interesting character there. But, uh, you know, too many Spider-Mans in one thing is – I don't know. I'm not into that sort of thing. Um So, this might be a fun movie. I'm probably going to go and check it out anyway. Despite the animation looking terrible, it might be a lot of fun. Uh, Spider Ham even making an appearance. So, I mean, there's a lot of potential for fun in this film and for having a good time. I just, every time I see that choppy animation, I'm very, very disappointed in what i'm seeing Uh, so i'm hoping it's going to be better than what it's looking like (laughs) okay we'll just put it like that but uh, i i think i'm going to have some fun with it and i am starting to like miles morales so uh, we'll see and uh, by the way if you haven't been playing the spider-man ps4 game for whatever reason find a way to play it it is excellent Oh, and uh, if you go to my Twitch channel under Spider Pan or the Neverland Podcast YouTube channel, I've been putting up some footage of me playing it. So if you're not convinced yet, go take a look at this thing.
0: To Disney and Beyond. Oh! God, it knows I'm here!
1: I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.
0: Now look, Doc, we're buddies, okay? But don't try to convert me. I'm trying to prepare you. My name's Markway, Dr. Markway, a scientist interested in the supernatural, the unnatural, if you like.
1: I came to Hill House to find the key to another world. Assisting me in this exploration of the unknown was Eleanor, Nell, who could look back into the past, and Theo, something of a witch who could see into the future this is luke who didn't believe in anything until evil patient and waiting made him change his mind How many of us take seriously the things we cannot or do
0: not want to understand, simply because we are afraid? Uh, Elena, you call! Did you hear me calling? uh, Uh, This uh, house, uh, you have to watch it every minute. (coughs) The Haunting was produced and directed by Robert Wise, brilliant producer of West Side Story. The stars consist of a cross-section of top talent in the world of entertainment. Julie Harris, Claire Bloom, Richard Johnson, Russ Tamblin. What does it take to convince you that the dead do not always rest in peace? That some houses, like Hill House, are born
1: bad. No! 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 So this week, as I mentioned before, I sat and watched for the second time in my life The Haunting. And this 1963 film, I mean, this is a classic. It is actually a British film, although I I don't know if the actors or actresses were actually British or not. But, I mean, nobody speaks with a British accent, but you could see how it could have been done in a British fashion. Uh, it was adapted by Nelson Gidding from a 1959 novel, The Haunting of Hill House, by Shirley Jackson. The film stars Julie Harris, Claire Bloom, Richard Johnson, and Russ Tamblin, was produced and directed by Robert Wise. Now, this film, the main thing that is going to stick with you is the house and the way it's shot and the way the sets were designed. The mirrors are set slightly, like, crooked, just off... Kilter to where when you're always, you have so many shots where there is a mirror in shot, but when you look at the reflection of the mirror, it doesn't seem to match what we expect it to, you know, we don't see the reflection we expect. We see it as some weird tilted angle where the mirrors are looking down or sideways or something like that. The statues are always looking and it feels like it's watching Eleanor, the main character. Yes, and my wife even observed that at one point there's a fern, and there's a breeze that goes by this fern, but there's a couple times where you see a fern nearby, but it almost resembles a hand a little bit that's reaching for Eleanor. Uh, I don't want to get in and spoil too much of the plot of this film, and perhaps you've seen the 1999 remake, which uh, changes things. I mean, the 1999 film, I think, tried to go for a slightly happier end Ending. But uh, this one, it doesn't really end in half. And this this ends more like a ghost story. The interesting thing, all right, so this, well, let me just go back here to the, all right, so this is supposed to be a 90 year old hill house. The hill house was constructed in Massachusetts by Hugh Crane. And was, he made it for a home of his wife, but his wife crashed her carriage against a tree as she approached the house for the first time. Leaving, you know, in the film, they talk about that maybe the house was just evil from the beginning. There was just something wrong with it because he built it very strangely, and the, even from the, the look we get on the inside. Uh, but Crane did have a daughter named Abigail that was raised in the home. Uh, but there's there's all these incidents and accidents. You know, Abigail, even as an old woman, still lived in the same room and had a woman who was supposed to be taking care of her. But she ignored Abigail as an older woman to go uh, meet with her lover elsewhere in the house. And uh, uh, Abigail had been banging on the wall with her cane as she died with no one to come to her. So it's very, very interesting and creepy, this film. Now, basically, what you have here is you have uh, this guy, uh, Markway, Dr. Markway, who's trying to investigate and prove that there is a supernatural world, and he wants to get certain people into this house to see what happens, and only two people that he really wants there get there, and that is Eleanor. Uh, Eleanor, uh, she has recently taken care of her own mother, and her mother used to bang a staff on the wall, eerily familiar, uh, whenever she needed something, and at one point... Maybe in her sleep, but Eleanor feels guilt over it as her mother was dying, banging also on the wall uh, and not getting the medication, I guess, that she needed. And she has passed away, but Eleanor kind of felt like she was freed and she feels a little uh, remorse, but also sort of happy because nothing ever seems to have happened to her. And when we get into the film, she also meets Theo, uh, Theodora, I think is was her real name, I don't remember, but uh, Theo, uh, who is this weird psychic person, and she has this unnerving ability to kind of know what thoughts are in your head that maybe you're not saying and giving voice to them, and she kind of irritates Eleanor a few times uh, by doing that. The only other occupant, though, in the house between, besides Dr. Markway, where they've rented it for like a week or something, is Luke, who is set to inherit the home and just wants to kind of go there and doesn't believe there's anything haunting about it and it was looking for a way to monetize, you know, to sell the parts of the home or something. And so that I mean that's the basic premise you get in the home. And I mean this there's not a lot of big special effects in this. It is the atmosphere that's creepy. It is these strange knockings that the camera pans around as the knocking and the actors will indicate the knocking is moving at different points of the house. And one direct inspiration to used in the haunted mansion is at one point they a door that appears to be almost like that breathing motion because something's pushing, trying to get through the door and the door is just kind of pushing in and out and in and out and creaking. And uh, I mean, it's, it's the noises and things that really go in there. And, it, it almost sets it up to where you're not sure if all this stuff is actually happening or if a lot of it is in an Eleanor's head and Theo is reacting to some of it maybe because she's kind of has the ability to read into her head. Uh, but perhaps something really is going on and it's just adding to the uh, insanity that Eleanor is slowly going through. It's it's almost an Edgar Allan Poe style film you know the story because you see Eleanor slowly going kind of crazy at the end because she's kind of intrigued by the house because oh finally something is happening to me but she's also terrified of the house and whatever this is that's going along uh, and I don't want to get too far into some of the plot but she kind of develops a crush for Dr. Markway and suddenly when Dr. Markway's wife shows up because she's, she wants to come and collect him it's like alright this is silly you're at this house let's get out of here and just go home But she has to stay there there's some definite jealousy and that pops up in Eleanor and she does something a uh, very, uh, a little creepy, but I don't want to say, <laughs> you know, but, uh, it's an engaging film. And the first time I watched it, there was definitely some, some jump scare moments, uh, because it's just the ominous feel of this. And this this film really shows how you could do things creatively without special effects or anything like that could make a genuinely frightening and spooky movie that actually you could sit with your family and watch. Younger children may not understand some of the complexity going on in there, but... Uh, It definitely is something you could watch with them. There's nothing really you're going to find objectionable. They just might not understand some of the little complexities of character and things going on. But they'll understand the creepy things happening, that's for sure. So this is definitely something you could watch with your kids, I think, and have a good time. Maybe older kids, because younger kids might find it a little too scary. If they're not able to walk through or ride on the Haunted Mansion ride, uh, That might be too much for them. But definitely this... This film is a great creep fest and it's something I think you could watch every year. It is a lot of fun and spookiness and uh, definitely you can see the influence on the Haunted Mansion uh, that this film had with uh, the doors and the knocking through that hallway and one of the breathing doors. It really inspired a lot in that hallway. You can see it. Uh, but I don't want to tell you any more about the plot. There's a couple other movies you might be expecting that I was going to review this week, say like Venom or maybe The House with a Clock on Its Walls or even Smallfoot. Um, I haven't had time to go out and see any movies lately, so plus I'm not going to go see Venom. I'm sorry. I'm not going. I'm not that concerned with it. It apparently had a successful weekend, but I'm just not interested in that movie. Um I did have some people tell me that it was not as bad as the critics said, but they said it in a way that he didn't didn't think it was that great, though, either, but not as bad as what it could have been, apparently. So no other movies to review, but that is the thing with The Haunting. Uh, very, very, very good film. Uh, and the interesting thing is Robert Wise was actually in post-production of The West Side Story Uh, When he heard about this film and the character of Luke is played by somebody you'll recognize from West Side Story, also from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which is very, very cool. Uh, So a little bit about the filming, though, before uh, I move on completely. I do want to read a few things from uh, Wikipedia about the filming and the location in Eddington Park which is, Eddington Park is what they use for the exteriors of the Haunted Hill House, and when you look at photos of it, it's it's almost castly and creepy. Uh, and, uh, Wise did say that this was one of his top 10 or 12 favorite movies that he has ever made. He had a great time making this film. Uh, this is Eddington Park Hotel, is over near the village of Eddington, Warwickshire. And that's, of course, like I said, the exterior. And, uh, actor Russ Tamblin, uh, so, Wise said approached a society that kept track of British haunted houses. Uh, This is according to Russ Tamblin, but he was keeping track of all these and uh, all these different places. And production designer Elliot Scott was sent around to the country looking at all these different houses in Britain that were supposed to look kind of haunted. And Weiss personally selected Eddington Park. Uh, no, the interior sets were constructed and shot at the MGM British Studios in Borehamwood, Hertfordshire. Interior sets were designed by Elliot Scott and credited by Wise as a major contributor to The Haunting, I'll say. Uh, the sets were designed to be brightly lit with no dark corners or recesses and decorated in a Rococo style. All the rooms had ceilings to create claustrophobic effect on film. This was unusual as most film sets forego ceilings to add in lighting and filming. But yeah, you get to see the ceilings and the interesting style in this film. Uh, actor Richard Johnson thought that he said the set's eeriness created a subdued atmosphere among the cast and the crew uh, Wise said that his contract with MGM specified that the picture could only be shot in black and white Which Weiss preferred for this genre of film Ted Turner at one point wanted to colorize the film But luckily he was stopped because it would have taken away from some of the creepy mood of the film uh, during the shoot, uh, Harris, one of the actors, uh, suffered from depression, and he believed that her co or she believed, sorry, that her co stars did not make the film take the film as seriously as she did. And at times, she would cry in her makeup chair prior to the day's shoot. Um, Bloom did not speak to Harris while filming, which worsened her depression, and afterward, Bloom told Harris that the lack of interaction had helped her build her own performance, and the two women women reconciled. Harris incorporated her own depression into the performance, and Wise heightened the sense of character conflict by having the characters step on one another's lines, allowing one character to begin talking before the other had finished, and on occasion, the characters simply talk at the same time. Which, yeah, does seem more natural and interrupting, because sometimes when there's a bit of tension going on, that's the type of thing that happens. But now, here's some interesting thing About some of the special effects Very, very physical effects uh, One of them, of course uh, Was the supernatural force Pushing against the large parlor door Which bends it inward repeatedly The door appears in some to some viewers To have been made of latex But in fact it was made of laminated wood The strange buckling was simply The result of a strong crew member Pushing a piece of timber hard against it two other physical effects that were used to make this spiral staircase in the library appear to be frightening. In one scene, the camera appears to ascend the staircase at a rapid rate, and Wise achieved this effect by using the staircase's handrail as a makeshift dolly track, When a camera is attached to the rail, and then slowly allowed to slide up, or slide down, all the while being controlled by a wire, so that it would would fall, would be controlled. And the sequence was then reversed and run at high speed, which gave the final cut an unworldly Feel. In another scene, the staircase appears to become unstable and give way as Luke Sanderson ascends it. Later, Eleanor goes up the staircase in a trance like state and is rescued by Dr. Markway, even as the staircase seems ready to collapse. The collapsing staircase effect was designed by a metal worker at Boreham Wood Studios. The effect was created by tying portions of the steps and railing to a cable that ran inside the staircase's central support column. When the cable was slack and the elements of the stairway were loosened up and moved freely, Conversely, when the cable was tightened, the staircase appeared solid and stable. The effect disturbed the cast so much that Robert Wise had to ascend the staircase while it was shaking in order to prove that it was safe. A lot of other effects going on is basically camera tricks and things like that. Uh, Now, the fun thing, this, I mean, this is a very inspirational book and film. uh, Because if you go and you look for even Google Hill House, Uh, There is, uh, like, a Vincent Price movie uh, that's, like, uh, that's the Haunting of the Hill House, or, or, well, no, there's something, well, let me go look that up, I'm sorry. But there's other Hill House-related type of movies, and it's a very similar setup. There's, like, Legend of Hell House, and it's a Vincent Price movie, and, uh, I mean, all these other ones that are a group of people brought into a house to stay for a certain amount of time, either by research or a party or whatever. And so they have some similarities, uh, a lot of different films. And I'd had I had all these looked up, and I should have kept track of them. Uh, but there are a lot of great films, and some of them used to be on Netflix. Unfortunately, I haven't seen these films on Netflix in a while, which is unfortunate because I'd like to watch them again. Uh, the Vincent Price film, and you should try to find this. Is called House on Haunted Hill. Uh, you might even recognize some imagery from the series. Chuck actually has a clip of it playing on a TV in uh, on a Halloween episode in the uh, the store. Um, which I forgot the name of the store, and Chuck, holy cow, my brain is gone today. But, yeah, the House on Haunted Hill, if you have a chance to watch that, that is a great Vincent Price film. And also, The Legend of the Hell House features Roddy McDowell. Uh, Hill House is a little bit more spooky, haunted, uh, and and has a lot of really great effects and is a bit more grown up. Uh, House on the Haunted Hill, I, it's a 1959 film uh and i think you could probably watch that with your kids it's i have a lot of fun with it i really enjoyed it the one time i've gotten to watch it uh so but these are very much inspired and in fact at house on haunted hill there has been a remake where they're in an asylum that they're staying at for a party uh, with jeffrey rush and famka jensen in that one and that one is an r-rated film you cannot watch with your kids <laughs> we'll put it like that and they went for a bit uh, a different take on the concept of House of Haunted Hill. Uh, But yeah, so there's been other films that I think have been inspired by the novel and by this film. And of course, The Haunted Mansion was also inspired by this film. So it's definitely worth a look. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast.
0: We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure.
1: Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket.
0: It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others.